You're listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. Jubilee Montreal is a Christian church located in downtown Montreal that exists to share the good news as a spiritual family for holistic transformation. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org. What we've been doing during uh, these times uh, for the fall, uh, during these times where we study the Bible, is something that we call a quiet revolution of love. So what we're talking about is in the, in the history of our province, uh, there was something called the Quiet Revolution. And what happened during that time was, although we're talking about predominantly a Catholic place, people left that church en masse, uh, which is, was uh, really an amazing thing, the amount of people that left this kind of controlling, organized, official religion. It doesn't usually happen that quickly. But we, we know from the history and why there's kind of... Christianity is not talked about much in this place, and when it is, it's often seen as uh, controlling, judgmental, uh, old, wrong, dry, whatever you want to call it. Um, we know that this is the history of this place, and we, we ask it, as a church, what we're asking for the fall is to, is to go back to the words of Jesus himself and ask if that's really what the message of Jesus was about. We know, and you don't have to know anything about Quebec to know that, that in general, in North American culture and increasingly around the world, Christianity is seen as unneeded at best, or at worst, oppressive, and the source of a lot of the problems in our world. And so I don't necessarily disagree with all those things, that Christianity has been those things. But we want to get back to the words of Jesus and ask if that's really what Christianity is anyway or if that's just a religious thing that uses the word, the name of Jesus. But what did Jesus actually teach? And you hear it when Philip speaks, and I think you hear it in the songs, but what did Jesus say? What was he about? And is that the Christianity that you have believed? Or is it the Christianity that you've rejected? And so let's get back to, to the words of Jesus himself. So that's what we've been doing. This week, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 7. So Luke is a, is a part of the Bible, a book in the New Testament, which is all about Jesus and, and his life. And Luke is the name of a guy that, that followed Jesus around, and he wrote this biography about Jesus, about the stories that he heard Jesus tell, about what he saw Jesus do, about the miracles that he performed. And so it's this, uh, this account of these stories, and we find this one in chapter 7, where Jesus meets a prostitute. And, uh, sorry, my cord is a bit messed up. Um, last week, we talked about Jesus meeting somebody called a tax collector, Tax collectors in that day were seen as, they were marginalized, rejected people. They were Jewish people who had kind of turned their back on their own people. And because of, for whatever reason, they had sided with the Romans, which were like the occupying force for the Jews. And they said, I'm going to be on your side, and I'm going to collect taxes from my own people. And, uh, and often what they would do, it would really be extortion. They would be charging more than they even had to so they could make some money themselves. And so they were hated. So we get the story of Jesus calling this tax collector to be part of his group, to be one of his disciples. And then he goes to people called Pharisees, which were the religious people of his day. And these Pharisees believed primarily that we, they were Jews just like Jesus, but they believed that we connected to God by the things that we did. If we want to have a good relationship with God, we need to go back to the beginning of the Bible, much of this part, and we need to, and, and what that really is, is it's, a, it's, a, it's like a manual of rules that God's given us, and we need to follow them and follow them correctly. And they believed this. The Pharisees, which we'll see today, were, they get a bad rap in the New Testament, in the Bible. 
uh, but they were really the religious people of the day, in many ways like the religious people that we can think of today, like a church, for example. They were the, the most predominant religious group for Jesus. But they believed it honestly. What they believed was that God wanted to make the world right again, that God wanted to come down and make the world right. It's what we talk about. It's what Jubilee means. So we don't even disagree with that. But they believed that that would only happen is if we could get all of us to follow all the rules. That's what the Pharisees were trying to do. If we could get the, the Jewish community to really follow the rules and do what it says, then maybe God would answer us. So what that would mean on a personal level, level is my advice to Manuel would be, Manuel, if you want your life to change, if you want God to bless you, you need to, you need to fall in line and make sure that you're doing what he said to do. And the better that you do that, the better things will go for you. Often this is our experience. Whether we call, uh, we call this God or not, and often we will, but even if we don't call it God, we believe that life will go well if we do things well, right? That God will bless me even as a Christian. That God will bless me if I do the things I'm supposed to do. This is not the message of Jesus at all. And in fact, it's the, in the stories we're reading, it's the counter message to Jesus' message. It's the people are saying that don't like Jesus. That's what they're saying. Jesus is saying the opposite. So in the last story, we find Jesus sitting in a house having dinner with a bunch of tax collectors. And in that story, Pharisees, the religious people, see him. And, they, and this story begins. I won't go into it. You can listen to it on the website if you want to. But in this next story in chapter 7, Jesus is now not in the home of a tax collector, but he's in the home of a Pharisee. And so a Pharisee named Simon has invited Jesus to have dinner with him and has invited all of his Pharisee friends. Okay? And it's important because in that day, it's not completely unsimilar to today, to have dinner with somebody was kind of, it, was, it means hospitality, it's the same as today, but it was really important to them. So this guy, Simon, has seen Jesus around. Jesus is, is becoming more well-known, and he invites him into his house, which means that Simon, although the Pharisees tech, like, generally don't like Jesus, he's interested in this man. He's seen what Jesus has done. He's seen him recently probably heal a man. Uh, he's, he's heard about him, seen him speaking, and so he invites him to his house and all his, his Pharisee buddies to have dinner with Jesus and get to know him. Yeah, it's a party. I don't know if you'd like to go there. I'm not really sure how comfortable most of you would be in that situation. You know, it's easy to read the Bible really detached, and they're just stories. But I want you to see today, the key to understanding this story is to try to put yourself in the place of these people. Jesus is sitting there having dinner with the Pharisees, and the text is chapter 7. It's verse 36. If you have a Bible, or, you know, smartphones have Bibles, actually. You can download if you want. You just go in the app store and search Bible. Uh, but... We'll have it on the screen here if you want. And I'm going to read through the whole story for you. And then we'll just talk about what it means for us a bit. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Just so you get a picture of this. They're not using chairs, most likely in, in, in uh, the Middle East. They still often eat like this. Uh, he's lounging on the floor. And it's important, probably, his feet are probably somewhat behind him. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to, to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Two people... Oh, oh. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. 
Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Just go back to the beginning here. So what, what the story is about, just tell you, is the story is about forgiveness. And in the context of what we're talking about today, of what Christianity is really about, I want you to get this, that this story tells what Jesus is about, as opposed to religious people. And it tells what Jesus' focus is, what his mission is, what his heart is, what he wants to do, and the kind of people, which we talked about last week, the kind of people that Jesus is for and is there for. I'm going to pray for just a moment. And then, uh, and then we'll go through each section. Father, I just want to acknowledge that you're here with us today, that we have the audacity to believe that you're always present, that you love us deeply, that nothing, uh, no one here with our, with our beliefs or our disbeliefs or what we do or what we're about or our questions, nothing is a problem for you. You're here in our midst, and you want to, You love each of us. You want to meet with us. You want to speak to us, even something really simple. And so I ask uh, that you would, you would really help us to just be open, to open our hearts to say, God, what does this story have to do with me? If it's true, if it's about you, if you might even be real, what does it have to do with me today? So I ask God, no matter where we're from, whether we call ourselves a Christian, whether we don't, that you would meet with us and that you would transform us. Somehow in these moments, in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. So it's about forgiveness. Often when we talk about forgiveness, we're talking about it is good for you to forgive someone else. We talk about this because Jesus talks about it often. And that is no doubt true and super important, that forgiveness is, is at the heart of what we're about, in forgiving and releasing other people. And that's important for you because forgiving other people will free you. It'll free you to live life uh, in a way that's not kind of tied down to the things that you haven't forgiven people for. So I want to say that, say that's important, but that's not what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is receiving God's forgiveness. Whether we think we need it or not, that's what the story is about. It's about can we as people receive forgiveness from God. Um, the story begins where Jesus is in this house with the Pharisees, and this woman, this is the focus of the story, is on the woman, okay? The woman is in the town, and apparently she knows who Jesus is. Now, the, the way the Bible speaks, it's a, it's a way of saying that the woman is a prostitute, okay? So when it says it's a, it's a sinful woman, sadly, in the culture, this is, what, this is often what sinful woman means, okay? It's, what they, it's how they talk about it. So the woman knows who Jesus is, though. Okay, so you start, I, I want to just try to paint a picture for you of, of who this woman is and what's really going on and how big of a deal it is that she even comes to this house. This woman is working for a prostitute, probably not her first choice, uh, which means just like the tax collector in the last story, 
the focus is on who she is as a woman, as a sinful woman who everyone knows who she is. But it's important to recognize that the woman is marginalized already. Okay? The woman is, I mean, if, if you think that a woman working in prostitution might get a bad rap today, the culture in this day was, was even more harsh. And the people that are in the story besides Jesus would not be kind. And you can kind of see it a bit. So the woman, though, hears about Jesus, much like Simon the Pharisee must have. Jesus is a teacher who's been traveling around. He's got a following, and he's kind of teaching the Bible. And he's, he's, people are coming up to him that, that uh, need healing or are kind of are not perfect religious people, and Jesus is healing them. And people are kind of just noticing what's happening. And this woman has probably, it seems like, caught on to what's happening. And we can tell already that she believes something about Jesus, that Jesus is special to her, that he ha- she has to see him, she has to go to him. She believes it's, not, it's never apparent in the story. She doesn't say anything, okay? She doesn't confess anything. She doesn't talk to Jesus. But it's clear when you read the story that she believes something deeply about Jesus, that she has to see him. She has to see him so bad that she's willing to walk into the home of a religious man filled with religious men. Okay, so if anybody doesn't like the woman in the town, it's these guys. Houses in this day were, uh, in this place in this day, were larger, especially than a Montreal apartment. They're large. They would they would have multiple uh, family members in it, not just a nuclear family, but an extended family. And this guy's, so anyway, the guy's house is probably large. If he's invited, if it's him that's invited all the people to his house, and so you can imagine it's probably a crowd of men reclining at the table together all of which seem like Pharisees, the story says, really religious, strict men, judgmental, and Jesus is sitting there. The woman walks in, walks behind Jesus, and he says, as a woman in the town, she lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at this house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So an alabaster jar of perfume is an expensive thing. Okay, so there's so many details in this we go to, and I won't have time, but the woman who works in prostitution has brought something that's extremely valuable with her. Um, it's, it's, we don't know exactly how much it is, but many people would say that something like this in this day would cost about a year's wages for this woman. Okay? So it's not something you would want to waste, that she would want to waste. But she sees Jesus, she knows he's there, she brings this to the house, and she, she enters and comes up behind Jesus, and this is what starts happening. As she stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and she poured this perfume on them. I'll I'll talk a bit just uh, in the next section about why she's doing these specific things. But it's important to see that the woman is, is completely freed in a way. I want to just imagine that the character, this is a beautiful thing about the Bible, if we've heard that the Bible is... uh, kind of backwards and judgmental and not, you know, we've kind of moved beyond it. Imagine that the, what the, the writer of the Bible is telling you is who you should emulate, who you should be like in this story, is be like the prostitute. That's what the story is about. Don't be like the religious men. Be like the woman who works in prostitution. Okay, so imagine that. This is Jesus' message. So she's there. She's having this experience. She is freed. I mean, imagine you care if you, if you struggle with caring what people think. I mean, imagine this one. This woman, if she cared what people thought, there were many moments, I'm sure, where she said, I'm not going to go to the house. <laughs> you know? I'll wait for Jesus to come out. I'll hide over there and hope to keep Jesus on his way. She's totally free and almost unaware of what these men will think, 
about what it looks like, about what's going to happen. All she knows is she's got to go to Jesus. She brings the most valuable thing she has, and she's totally kind of uninhibited and freed, walks up to Jesus and does this. When the Pharisees who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, so this is Simon, this is, catch what's going on. Simon says to himself, okay, so it seems like he's not saying it out loud. There's a lot of irony in the story, and Jesus is a bit sarcastic again like last time. Simon says to himself, if this man were a prophet, Jesus, okay, so just stop for a second. Simon thinks that Jesus is a prophet, okay? Simon's a Pharisee, he knows Jesus is a teacher, and it shows you what he's thinking. This guy seems to be some kind of prophet, some kind of special guy that is able to heal people, and he speaks these, these messages that seem true and are kind of different, and he's, it's like God sent him to us. That's what Simon's thinking. So I'm going to bring him to dinner, and, and we'll talk to him. If this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So what's Simon saying? Simon sees Jesus sitting there. Simon sees the woman, knows who she is, sees the woman doing something that's quite intimate. Okay? The woman's kissing his feet, pouring oil on them, weeping, using her hair, which is in that culture is way more sensual, if you will, than in our culture, maybe. Wiping, the hair, wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. And this is what Simon's thinking. This guy can't be a prophet. If he's a prophet, how does he not even know the kind of woman that's touching him right now? He'd understand, the woman is a prostitute and I want nothing to do with her, right? Because that's what Simon thinks. Is he like Simon, we often make God in our own image, okay? I just assume that God's just like me and I don't like these kind of people. So God must not like these kind of people. This is what religion becomes, by the way, that's different than Jesus. We use the words God, we use the word Jesus, we use the word faith, but often we're not talking about what Jesus is talking about. We're talking about our own ideas. Our own things. And this is Simon. Simon's saying, he must not be a prophet because God doesn't like people like the woman. They're unclean. They have problems. And if Jesus knew who she was, he'd never let her touch him because she's going to make him unclean. Not only that, but he, he thinks, I care about my reputation. Certainly Jesus would care about his reputation. So he wouldn't let this woman near him if he cared about his reputation. It tells you something about who Jesus is. Jesus doesn't care about his reputation. So he sees the woman there and he says this, and it says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to teach you. I mean, imagine just, I, I have, yeah, wait, I have, some, I have something to tell you. I mean, imagine this. Simon thinks to himself, if that guy was really a prophet, he wouldn't let her do that. Jesus, being a prophet, <laughs> knows what Simon's thinking. It says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And you understand what this means for Simon probably in a moment. It's a bit, like, alarming, right? I've just been thinking this thing about this guy, and then he... He has something to tell me. A little side note, just so this makes sense. Simon calls the woman a sinner, which is, I'm sure, a word that you've heard. Uh, what Simon means by this is that the woman is, is, is bad, is wrong. And notice, he doesn't call himself a sinner. He assumes that everyone else at the dinner is not sinner, whatever that means. But the woman is. He doesn't even assume that Jesus is, just that the woman is the sinner. The, word, the fact that he uses the word sinner is really not the problem. It's that he doesn't understand what it means. Okay, because the, the, the scriptures use the word sinner. It's used in the culture, and often we use it to mean uh, a sinner is somebody who does bad things. Okay? And, and a sinner is somebody who does sins. This is the way Simon uses it. The Bible, and, and Jesus even believes in this idea, but sin in the Bible is not primarily wrong things someone's done, number one. And number two, the Bible assumes that everybody is in this category of sinner. The Pharisees are sinners. The woman's a sinner. 
So this is the way it would be. In the Bible, when, when Jesus would say sinner, what you should hear or what you should see, it's a word picture, is you should see somebody, I can't do it with a microphone, <laughs> pulling back an arrow from a, from a bow and letting it go. And the arrow, uh, if it's sin, the arrow can never hit the bullseye. So it's somebody sitting here just firing arrow after arrow. And it's almost as if never, not even, it doesn't matter how close they get to the bullseye. It's just that the, the arrow won't hit the bullseye. And so when the Bible, normally when it uses the word sinner, not Simon the Pharisee, but when the Bible uses the word sinner, this is what it's talking about. Really, you could say that, that a sinner is another word for being a human being. Okay? So God is not bothered by the fact that people are sinners. It's, it's, it's part of the story that we're all in this category. And what it means is that as a human being, I was made in the image of God. He made men and women equal in the image of God, and he loved them, and he made himself like him, like with his same DNA. And in that, before there was anything wrong in the world, every time my, my, a human life would hit the bullseye every time. Not just I do everything right, but that my life is full of goodness and grace and nothing but love. This is the opposite of sin. Now, in my human life, and you can see, if, if you should believe in sin. This is not a weird idea. I mean, if, if Philip's story about Syria is, and the fact that there are refugees there is caused, the Bible would say, by this pervasive thing called sin. It's an absence of good in the world. And it means that bad things happen, and bad things, people do bad actions. But that's just a result of this force called sin in the world that distorts human beings, that distorts the world. Global warming, all of these issues are traced back in the Bible to this issue of sin. The, whole, the world itself, the earth itself is off. So Simon has taken this idea, though, as a religious man and has created categories of people. And there are people that are sinners that can't hit the mark. And then there are people like him that try their best to hit the mark. Right? And he's convinced that in some ways he can do it. And so he's created these categories. Jesus is here to break the categories first. So, so this is what he wants to say. So he says, Simon... I, want, I have something to tell you. And he says, tell me, teacher. Two people, and so Jesus, this is what Jesus often does, is he begins telling a story. He begins telling a story. So he says, Simon, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. So denarii was the day's wages for a, a day laborer. Somebody not, you know, not very well off would, would work in the fields for the day, and they would usually be paid one denarii. So a day's work, uh, wages for a day's work. So he's saying this one person owes 500 days of work. That's quite a bit. Okay, imagine like the kind of weight on your shoulder. If you made one denarii a day and now you owe somebody 500, that's quite a bit more than a year's, of work, a year's worth of work where you can't do anything else, even eat. And the other person owes him 50 days. Neither of them had the money to pay the money lender back. So the money lender forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied to Jesus, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. It's often what Jesus does is he's really patient with Simon. He could just be like, why are you talking about this woman like this? Right? He'll kind of get to this point in a minute. But he wants to make a point to Simon first to say, who, to, to bring a story to help him try to understand the heart of God. This is what's going on. Jesus is on a totally different plane of reality than, than Simon and the Pharisees. And it's, it's important because we can drift in, and I promise myself included, we can all drift into the Pharisees' way of seeing things. Okay? That God is only pleased with us if he even exists based on how I, what I do in life. It's a very common belief. Even if we don't speak it, we feel it. 
right? This is the Pharisees' idea. It's not just them. Jesus' way of speaking is he has to tell a story to try to get the point across because it's just on a totally different plane of reality. God is not even on the radar of what the Pharisees are thinking. So what's the story mean? The story means that where Simon is concerned about what people look like on the outside and what they do in their life, their actions, what they look like and what they do, that's how they should be judged. This is what Simon thinks. Simon judges them like that, and God judges them like that, right? What's important about the woman to God is that she's a, she's a prostitute, and she's a sinful woman. That's her identity. That's who she is. Jesus wants to say that it's not about that at all. It's actually not about what the woman does. First of all, it's not who she is, and it's not about what she's done. He says, and so he just turns the whole thing upside down. Simon has this way of looking at the world like this. I'm sorry, I used the word Simon. It's not about Simon. Simon, the Pharisee, sees the world like this. There's, there's a list of people, okay? And at the top are the holy people, and at the bottom is like the woman, okay? And God sees the world like this in this kind of list of people, and he's most pleased with the top, and he's most upset about the bottom. And Jesus tells the story to say this. He flips it upside down, and he says it's actually about debt. It's not about what you've done. Everybody has different debt levels. The people at the top have the greatest debt, and the people at the bottom have the least. And it's sarcastic again, by the way. He doesn't actually believe necessarily that the woman is worse than the Pharisee. He's saying that the Pharisee is not, can't even acknowledge his debt. He thinks he's a great guy. He can't acknowledge that he's in debt in life, that he's, that he's, that he's walking around in life trying to justify his exist, existence, trying to, trying to, I mean, think about it. He's trying to do things right. Why? Why would somebody do that? because they're probably overwhelmed with the things that they do wrong, right? So the woman's at the top, and he says, this is the way God sees it, actually. The people who owe the most are at the top because what God's interested in is love, not obedience. He's not as interested in, can I do all the right things right? But who loves me? And so this is where we get to Jesus. We're talking about a quiet revolution of love. This is when we get to an idea of love. The story says that Jesus asks what's important to the moneylender, and the moneylender represents God in the story. What's important to God is who will love him more. Imagine, it's kind of weird that this is what Jesus brings up in the story. He's talking about this prostitute, and you shouldn't let this prostitute touch your feet because it looks inappropriate, and she's a sinful woman. And Jesus tells him a story about two people who owe money, and that the one who owes more has the opportunity to be more thankful and love the person who forgave them. You can understand for Simon, it's like, what? What's that have anything to do? with the fact that you should not let the woman touch your feet, you know? So try to see what he's saying here as he explains to Simon. Then he turned toward the woman. So imagine what's happening now. Jesus is sitting. He's not been looking at the woman, right? The woman's behind him. He looks at the woman, and imagine like what's going on. He, he says all this while looking at the woman, but he's addressing the Pharisee. So he says he turned toward the woman, and he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? We just imagine, we could, we could spend hours on this because every word he's saying matters. You've been looking at the woman the whole time, right? You've been judging her and telling me what she's like. Do you see her? So Jesus, as a prophet again, it's about Jesus being a prophet, he doesn't look at people on the outside. He doesn't look at people on the outside, meaning what you look like or what you've done in life. This is not what Jesus is interested in or about. This is what he says the religious people are about. So that's why he wants to say, Simon, you don't really see her. You, you don't think I'm a prophet because so you, you don't think I can see her, but I'm not looking at what's happening. I'm looking at her heart. Okay? I see her heart and where it's at. And I see, 
that what's, what's happening with this woman is that she feels something called love. And if she feels this thing called love, she must have experienced this thing called forgiveness. And this is how it'll end. So he says, do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet. So what would happen is, he's basically saying, Simon, you're not hospitable at all. I came into your house. So outside of the house, it's very dusty. Okay, They wear sandals. Jesus comes into the house, sits down, and it would be very normal that a servant or somebody would come over and would wash the feet of the guest. So that you don't have to eat dinner with your feet right there by the table because it's low. It's all dusty. So he says, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. See what he's saying? Say, Simon, you have, you have no room to talk. You didn't even wash my feet. The woman washed my feet with her own tears. He's flipping again. Simon sees everything as inappropriate. Jesus sees it all as love. Jesus sees it all as this woman without hindrance, fully free. Like, I mean, just imagine that. I mean, there's nothing else I can say. She's, wiped, she's washing his feet with her tears and her, her hair. You did not give me a kiss, so in that day to welcome somebody, to show them welcome as you would give them a kiss when they came in. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing even my feet. Okay? So when I would enter the room, you should have probably just gave me a kiss, but this woman has been sitting here kissing my feet the whole time. You did not put oil on my head. They would do this to kind of clean up, uh, kind of, uh, you know, it's like a cleansing thing, but it's also a... a like an important um, honoring thing. You, you didn't put oil on my, fa- on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet, expensive oil, the kind of best thing she had, pours it on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven at her great, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So this is his explanation to Simon about what's going on. The woman is an opportunity to teach him a lesson and to teach him about what God's heart is like toward all people. God is interested, so if you hear nothing else, this is the part. God is interested in forgiving people. Now, there are people that know that they have something to be forgiven for, like the woman. And they're very aware of this. They don't consider themselves perfect. Then there are women, there are people, women, mostly men. There are, there are people, in the story they're men, there are people who don't think they have much to be forgiven for. Or it's just like, they'll say, oh, of course I'm not perfect, but what they live is that they can do it themselves. You know, they can make it up. They can try harder. They can do it. Jesus is saying that, that, that he's looking for people who are well aware of their debt. And so that's why all the stories have to do with people who are prostitutes, people who are tax collectors, people who are rejected. These are all the stories about Jesus. Is these are the people that are, are coming to him and being welcomed by him. So if you thought that, that Christianity was religious and about performing correctly and about judging people who are appear wrong. It's actually the complete opposite. Jesus' message is that the church should be full of people, if it's Jesus, if it's about Jesus, who look nothing like religious people, meaning their lives are not cleaned up. They're not trying to clean their lives up. They just look like the woman. They're desperately wanting to thank and show love to Jesus. So, it's not good to clear your throat with coffee, I don't think. Um, so this is kind of the, the invitation that Jesus is giving to the Pharisees it's what he's saying Christianity is really about what I'm really about Jesus as we see in the story it's questioned whether he's a prophet or a teacher who is he the, the rest of the New Testament tells us and the stories about Jesus tell, him, tell us that Jesus is called the son of God 
that he is the image of God upon the earth. And it becomes more and more clear that Jesus is himself. If you want to know what God is like, you know, God is far away. It's more like an idea. If you want to know what God is like, he looks exactly like Jesus because Jesus is God made flesh, made human being. I understand that there's parts of what we'll talk about here that it's like, oh, yeah, I get that. Forgiveness, love, that's good. Might not be me, but I get that. And then there's parts that you're going to be like, I'm saying it could be anybody, but if you're not used to Christianity, if you're not, you don't consider yourself a Christian, that might be like, that's a bit of a leap for me. This is one of those. So Jesus claims himself to be God on earth. Okay? He does it many times. And so the important thing, though, about that is it's stories like this that tell you what God is really like. Can you imagine? I wish I knew what God was like. Can we even know him? I wish that, you know, there was some, everybody's ideas about him, but I wish I could know who he is. The story is saying that God walks into a house sitting with a bunch of religious men, and a prostitute comes up to God, cries on his feet, washes his feet. The Pharisees judge God and say, God, are you really God? Because you don't even know who's there. And God says, well, it's actually people like this that understand who I am. It's actually people like this that understand what I'm about, whereas you don't. And so all that to say, Jesus in the story represents God. And if that's the case for us, it means that what God is interested in is that we would come into an understanding that we are part of a system and we have lives that are full of this thing called sin. And all that means is that, is that my, number one, my identity as a child of God is, is cracked and broken, and I can't really experience that. Everything I try to do in life, though, of course, some things I do well, and I'm loving and peaceful, and I'm, I, I have friends, and I do things right and well. It's not that. It's that I'm not, I, I'm still broken. I still, in the midst of that, do things wrong, and at the end of the day, I am still broken from what God made me to be in the first place. Is that I am lacking perfect goodness and perfect love, and it's hard to argue with that. You know, of course we're not. The beautiful thing is that God made us to experience life as that. The story of the Bible in the beginning says that God, who is love, created men and women in His image to be like Him, and all they experienced in the beginning was love. There was no need for this idea of forgiveness. It was just love, perfect love. So what Jesus is saying is that God's interested in is he understands that everyone's broken. There's people that clean themselves up who pretend that they're not. And there are people who have fallen so far in life, who have been so rejected that they can't hide it anymore, like the prostitute. And so he wants to say is that what God's interested in is forgiving everything that's happened in our lives from the past, the present, and the future. Now imagine, this is when we talk about good news. How are we talking about good news? This is it. Whether you believe it or not, imagine this. I've lived life this many years so far, and although I might try to change my life, I I cannot fully get everybody in this room to treat me like I've never disappointed anyone, like I've never let someone down, like I've never done something wrong. And even as I try to clean my life up, it's going to be impossible not to mess up, and it's going to be impossible not to disappoint people, and it's going to be impossible for everyone else to see me as perfectly loving. You know, that's hard to do, like... Angelica doesn't see me as perfectly loving. I don't know why. And, and I, don't, I don't see her as perfect. Like, it's normal life. But imagine this. Imagine that I could have a relationship with God. Imagine there was this one person who I could have a relationship with. Imagine that's real. And I could know him and speak to him, and he'll even speak back to me. And this person has no knowledge of anything I've ever done incorrectly, past, present, or future. So I come. I really screw up. And this is about actions. It's not about that. But we live actions. I messed up today. And I've disappointed people, and I come to God, and God is nothing but loving. So I'm your, you're my son, and I love you, but you don't know what I've done. You're my son, and I love you, but you don't know what I've done. You've not done anything. 
This is the audacity of this story, is that it's totally gone. Jesus says to the woman, look at this. Jesus says to her, your sins are forgiven. What he said just before that, which is really beautiful, the woman never says anything, right? As her great love has shown, her sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. What's going on? Jesus says that if you want to find transformation in your life, okay, what we talk about, if you want to be changed, if you want to see the world changed, the first step is to realize that you are, that you are imperfect, cut off from God. You, I mean, that's obvious, right? Like who, you try, We try all kinds of spiritual things to connect with God. We have to work really hard. Who even knows if it's God? And then it's, it's hard to connect with him. The Bible says it shouldn't be. It should be like he's walking here with me right now and talking to me. I can hear him and I can speak back. Know that I'm cut off from God, that I have this thing called sin, that I'm imperfect. Even as I try, I'm, I am a human. Realize that, and then realize that God is utterly forgiving and wants to forgive and release me for all of that. He wants to say to me today, this is the beautiful thing, the thing that might seem a bit odd. He wants to say to me today, Michael, what you've done your whole life, things you tried to do well and haven't done well, and even this, even things you will do in 20 years, I want to just erase all of it. Imagine that you could live life, because this is the issue. Most people are living life in reaction to things they do. Right? They're trying to make up for things they've done, so they're trying to change and move forward. Or they're thinking that everyone else views them, like this woman, which happens, as what they've done and who they are. And they're living out of this false identity. And it's all about how I appear and what I've done. And God says, to start with, I would like to view you as who you were really made to be. And the first step is I'm going to wipe away everything from your life that's wrong. See, God's doing that not because he's so upset about what you've done, and it's like the only chance you have, so he's going to wipe it away. For sure, it's good for God to wipe it away, but it's to free you from having to carry that stuff. You know, it's like we have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and she does something wrong. She doesn't really do I'm just making that up. She does something wrong, and all you would want to do as a parent is, yes, you know, that's not loving, so we don't do it like that, we do it like this, and God loves you, and blah, 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 blah. But... All I want to do as a father is just like, I mean, she doesn't really do this right now, she's two and a half, but to take it off her shoulders. To say, you know, we do this thing like, we do this thing like, you know, she'll say sorry like uh, this, because before she could speak, she would do this. And then we would say, and we learn this from other people, well, you're forgiven, you know, it's wiped off. So when it's done, it's like, we're going to go play again, because I don't even remember what happened. And even if we have to do that a thousand times, I'm going to wipe it away every time. Well, this is what God does. Is with us, he says, I'm just going to wipe away. So I, and then what happens is transformation. I begin to live life as a forgiven person. And Manuel might still view me, or somebody might view me like, like, like the prostitute, like the Pharisees view the prostitute. They still see what's going on on the outside. But I know I live life totally free, totally forgiven, because I live in a totally different reality that God, who loves me perfectly, has forgiven me for everything, and I experience then something called love. And so this is what he says. Jesus says, you see what she's been doing this whole time? This is love. And the only way you get true love from God, you feel it, is by experiencing something called forgiveness. An ongoing experience of being freed from all debt, all inadequacy, any problem in your life, anything you've done or failed to do, to be forgiven. And so he says, this is what I'm after. You want to know what God's about? He's not about any of the other things that the Pharisees are talking about. He's about this woman coming to a place of receiving forgiveness. 
So she doesn't care anymore about what people think. She's so full of love. She's so free. He just says to confirm with her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this guy who forgives sin? Because what they think is, okay, the guy does miracles. He got in trouble for this already once in the story a couple chapters ago. He does miracles. He teaches interesting things. But only God forgives people. Like, you can, I can forgive Manuel for something. But, like, the only person that can totally forgive sin, meaning take it away and throw it away. You know, you did that, but now you didn't. You know? It's like the only person that could actually do that would be God. Who does this guy think he is? How can he say to this woman, oh, your sins are forgiven, go. They can't handle the fact that Jesus is saying he's God. Right? So they began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sin? And Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. So here's the end. How do you do this? How do you receive forgiveness? Jesus calls it faith. Faith is trust. So he says, because a woman never speaks a word. He just sees that her heart inside has come to Jesus and trusted that Jesus will forgive her for all her sin. That's really it. It's very simple, almost like it's not, you can't see it. You can't, you don't need to do something. It's about having this thing called faith that trusts that Jesus forgives my sin. The reason we do that is because Jesus at the end of his life was, was crucified by the Romans, capital punishment. If you know the story, he was killed on a cross. It was capital punishment. And Jesus says that was actually to take away the sin of the world. So what he's doing for the woman has to do with the cross. It takes away the sin of the world. Three days later, he rose again from the dead. We'll talk more at length about this stuff later. But he rose again from the dead, which means that he conquered this thing called sin, which means that Jesus' life was always hitting the bullseye every time. This is exactly what a human life is supposed to look like, exactly what a human life was supposed to look like. And he says that because I've done that, I have the authority to just say your sin is forgiven. I'm going to give my life to yours, and your life will begin to look like that, begin to look like what a human life was meant to look like, loving, free, at peace. This is what he says. Your faith, that trust that you have in your heart, that has liberated you. The reason you're able to come in this house right now and do this is because you've been, something has liberated you. Now just go in peace. You see, her life has never been at peace. Even the dinner is not at peace. You know? She's constantly, I mean, imagine the work that she does, the way that she's been rejected and hurt, the reason she's even done that in the first place. And then there's religious people like this. And Jesus says, this experience on the inside of her, this is holistic transformation, this experience on the inside of you has liberated you. Now go and live a life of peace. Go and be free and be at rest. That's what we're about. That's, I mean, that's the invitation, is receive forgiveness from God. Receive his love. Go in peace and your life will change. Thank you for listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jvlmontreal.org.